Good, good evening and welcome to the Independent News Hour. I'm John Tarleton, editor in chief of the Independent New York City's lefty newspaper and website. Our first print, our August print edition hit the streets last week. You can find that in our red and white news boxes in public libraries and many other venues across the city. You can also find our latest online coverage at independent.org. I'm joined by uh, today by my co-host, Amba Gagarian. Hey, John, it's great to be here with you and all of our listeners on WBAI 99.5 FM and streaming on WBAI.org. We have a great show lined up for today. In our first segment, we'll look at a big legal victory on Friday for New York City's 250,000 retired city employees. The Adams administration wanted to switch their medical coverage from traditional Medicare to a privately run plan, but that's on ice for now. And in our second segment, I'll have an update from SAG after picket lines from today. And we'll hear from the Indies film critic and Screen Actors Guild member Peter Carolini, who is starring in a new role as a union strike captain who is out on the picket line three mornings a week, leading chants and songs. And in the final part of the show, John and I will catch up on some of the other important news of the day and take listener calls. But first, we'll turn to New York City's 250,000 retired city workers who can rest a little easier, at least for now. On Friday, Manhattan State Supreme Court Judge Lyle Frank issued a permanent injunction barring the Adams administration from transferring the retirees from traditional Medicare coverage to a Medicare Advantage plan controlled by the private insurance giant Aetna. It was confusing because they were calling it Medicare Advantage, but it was private. The switch would have gone into effect on September 1st. While that won't be happening, the Adams administration has vowed to pursue an appeal to a higher court. Stephen Wishnia, India reporter and editor, has covered this story closely over the past two years in... Sorry about that. Stephen Wishnia has covered the story closely over the past two years in the pages of The Independent and as a guest on this show. He rejoins us today to give us an update on what his latest development means. Um, we've had a we've had a, a, a technical glitch with uh, Stephen. Uh, he will be uh, joining us shortly. He's ready. Um, yeah, uh, uh, Stephen, if you're listening, uh, we sent you. A different link for being able He's to ready. come He's on, on the this show. I'm on the phone. Oh, you're on the phone, Stephen. Yeah. Okay. It's it's uh it's uh great to have you with us. Um. So for, for uh uh for starters, uh, can you uh, uh just uh uh lay out for us uh what the uh, city retirees uh, won on Frank on Friday with uh, uh, Judge Frank's ruling. Oh, basically, uh, last month, on July 7th, uh, he issued a preliminary injunction that prohibits the city from forcing retirees to either have to take Medicare Advantage or have to pay for their own Medicare. And what last Friday's order does is just makes that permanent until uh, the court, you know, the case is decided until, you know, the lawsuit by uh, the retirees against the city's plan is decided. So, And, Steve, what is the city's legal strategy at this point, and how long do you expect it will take for their appeal to actually play out? It will take a while. You know, it will take at least several months. Uh, the city is appealing. Uh, you know, it saves them money, and the largest municipal workers unions, uh, DC 37 and the teachers along with, uh, the sanitation workers are in favor of this because they did, the teachers did a deal with the city several years ago that they would find healthcare savings in exchange for getting raises and not getting layoffs. Uh, although those healthcare savings are coming on under this plan are coming on the backs of retirees who, you know, have only limited power to vote out the 
leadership that approved them. But yeah, the city's you know approving it. Uh, the danger of it, you know, if this strategy was allowed to happen, is they then you know try to privatize. It's you know there's a good chance they try to privatize healthcare coverage for uh, you know all city employees. I mean, they say it, it doesn't affect anybody, but, you know, that's uh, once the place. door is open. You guys mind if I take so, this call out here? Hello? Yeah. And is there any reason to think that they will fare better on appeal? How solid of a decision does Judge Frank's ruling appear to be to you? Uh, I'm kind of skeptical about the courts because it is, you know, very... You know, it is as you know, court decisions are supposed to be based on you know justice and logic, but it's you know quite possible to come up with a system of logic that uh, persuades one judge. Uh, so, you know, this is you know, Judge Frank has uh, Lyle Frank, who issued the order, has been dealing with this, this case, this issue for. You know, probably a year and a half now. Uh, the reasons for issuing an injunction are generally that uh, party has asking for the injunction has a good chance of winning their suit, and that they would be damaged more, irreparably damaged, uh, if they didn't get it, uh, and that the balance of equities weighs in their favor. Uh, you know, he said that, you know, they qualified on all three counts that, you know, losing, you know, having your health insurance weakened when you're over 65, you know, could lead to irreparable damage. Uh, and that the city had, you know, promised for decades that workers would get you know, both Medicare and full and a Medicare supplemental plan uh, when they right. retired. Is, 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 and Steve, what is what is it about the Medicare Advantage plan that uh, so many retirees find objectionable? Uh, the Adams administration continues to insist uh, their approach will provide better coverage. They offer a few more things. They sometimes they offer vision and dental coverage, which. Uh, Medicare doesn't cover, uh, thanks to 50 Republicans and two Democrats a couple years ago. Uh, but basically, it's private insurance, which means it has to make a profit. And you know, the way private health insurance makes a profit is by you know making it harder to get you know medical care. Uh, there are you know, fewer de- doctors or hospitals that are in network, especially out of the city and out of places where people you often retire. Uh, there are more you know, hoops that people have to get to jump through to get uh, you know, care approved or certain procedures approved, uh, which. You know, some of it is just, you could be justified saying, oh, we don't want waste, but a lot of it is if you say, oh, you have to go get approval, certain percentage either won't get it or will just give up regardless of the effect on their health. Uh, you know, it's for-profit care, and it's not as widespread as Medicare. You know, if you got sick, you know, in Colorado, the odds are a lot smaller that, you know, if you had to go to the emergency room, you know, that would be, you know, in an in-network hospital. Or if you had to have surgery, uh, you know, the hospital might be in-network, but the anesthesiologist wouldn't be. So, you know, basically it's, you know, the universal American battle against, uh, you know, for, you know, full health care against for-profit health care. Right. And the retirees are also appealing to city council to take actions. What is it that they want the council to do? Uh, pass a law saying that, you know, codifying that, you know, city retirees are entitled to medic to full Medicare. Okay. Which, okay. 
and, and uh, Steve, has some but, supporters, but the council leadership and the Adams administration have not supported it yet. Right. And in national politics, Steve, uh, going after retiree benefits and, and health care coverage uh, is generally seen as a career killer to be vo- avoided at all costs, given that seniors vote at disproportionately high rates and are very protective of that, those uh, benefits. Uh, in Washington, at least, even the Repo- Republicans insist they would never do such a dastardly thing, at least to those people who are already over 65 years old. Uh, why do you think Eric Adams has embraced uh, this effort with such fervor? I would disagree with you about okay. the Republicans, but they would blanch, but they would. I mean, uh, sure. I mean, Trump has made a whole stick out of uh, insisting he would he would he wouldn't. Uh, you know, do these things. Well, you. So at least rhetorically, they feel like they have to pay homage to this. But uh, you know, focusing here on New York, why do you think Adams is uh, charged right into this? Uh, it saves money. Uh huh. And okay. I guess I mean I don't know if people you know are regretting that they pushed this so hard, given the level of opposition. I think they thought like. We can get it by by just saying like, oh, you people will get like, you know, silver sneakers, gym memberships, and it's actually going to save money. But you know, I don't know if they regret it, but you know, they pushed it this far, you know, right? To, you know, it's to save money. Uh, Got it. Um, and also, Steve, uh, before you go, um, I want to pivot to the uh, strikes. Uh, the labor strikes by the Writers Guild and the Screen Actors Guild that are uh, rocking the television, film, and streaming industries. In the August print edition of The Independent, you have an article titled Hollywood is a Union Town, but it's complicated. Uh, I raise this because in our next segment, we're going to speak with a SAG-AFTRA uh, strike captain here in New York and also hear from strikers who were on the uh, picket line this morning. Uh, but for now, can you give us a, a short synopsis of how Hollywood became so thoroughly unionized, as well as how anti-communist red baiting was used to weaken the the unions in Hollywood? Uh, yeah, it became uh, the first people to unionize were people, who, you know, stage crew, you know, film crew type people, car, you know, carpenters who built set sets and things like that, and that goes back to 1918 or before, and that was uh, IATSE, International Association of Theatrical and Stage Employees, and then writers and actors joined in the early 1930s when the studios were you know, trying to cut pay drastically and you know people had had enough. So Hollywood was pretty thoroughly unionized by the end of the 1930s. It took them a while to win their first, you know, contracts. Uh, the problem, you know, that happened was Yahtzee, uh, around 1934, got, you know, taken over by organized crime. So they were doing, you know, sweetheart contracts with studios uh, in exchange, you know, for... You know, and the leadership was you know, taking bribes to to do that, uh, and that led to a strike by a rival union, in which a lot of you know Yahtzee members refused to cross picket side picket lines in 1945. That you know, ended with a combination of cops and mob goons, you know, breaking up a picket line, and eventually that. Your rival union was locked out and destroyed, and then, you know, within a year was the, you know, eruption of, you know, rabid anti-communism in the industry. You know, there were congressional hearings on, you know, subversion in the uh, in the film industry, and basically anybody, you know, who was a leftist who'd ever, you know, signed a petition against lynching or giving money to support the anti-fascists in the Spanish Civil War was guilty by association of being a communist and therefore, 
you know, somebody who is trying to undermine and destroy the American way of life. And a lot of the most militant people in the unions uh, were blacklisted, you know, for most of the next, you know, at least generally until the blacklist didn't land until around 1960. So we got it. And, and one of the people who joined in the red baiting was actually the Screen Actors Guild uh, president, Ronald Reagan. Yeah. And, uh, who anything you want to add about that? liberal, but I don't know his psychology. Uh, some people say that it was the influence of his wife, uh, of Nancy Reagan, his second wife, and that his, his first wife had left him. Uh, because he had crossed a picket line, uh, he felt that you know he, that the stagehand, you know, backstage crew going on strike and interfering with movie production affected his income. He might have felt that. Uh, he said that he had received you know threats of violence, but uh, given Ronald Reagan's relationship with the truth, I don't know how much credibility I'd give that. Right. Uh, well, I for those of you who recommend were, uh, uh, around in the 1980s, Ronald Reagan was, you know, famous for embellishing stories and claiming that he had done things that he hadn't. Right. Uh, certainly, um, in his uh, starring role in the White House, uh, we'll, we'll have to leave it there. But I certainly encourage everyone who is able to pick up a copy of this month's Independent to check out. Uh, Steve's article on the on the history of the Hollywood uh, labor unions and the labor movement in the film and television industry. It's a really fascinating history. Uh, Steve, as always, it's been great to have you join us today on the Independent News Hour. All right, thanks a lot, John. Yeah, you bet. Yeah. All right, we'll be back after this short break uh, with uh, Peter Carlini, uh, indie film critic, uh, SAG after member, and union strike captain. Stumble to the kitchen, pour myself a cup of ambition And yawn and stretch and try to come to life Jump in the shower and the blood starts pumping Out on the streets the traffic starts jumping With folks like me on the job from nine to five Nine to five by Dolly Parton. You are listening to the Independent News Hour, which runs from five to six. Uh, I'm your host, uh, John Tarleton, editor of the Independent. Also joined by the Indies Associate Editor, uh, Amba Gagarian. In our second uh, segment, we're going to uh, take a, f- a further look at the uh, uh, actor strike that's uh, been going on uh, for more than a month now. They're on the picket lines along with the uh, writers. Uh, uh, Guild, which uh, went on strike in early May over three months ago. Um, uh, Amba, uh, you were, you visited a picket line earlier this morning, um, outside of, uh, uh the Netflix uh, headquarters, just north of uh, Union Square. There's, uh, picket lines that, uh, are held uh, Monday to Friday, uh, here in New York at four different venues outside of Netflix, HBO, uh, uh, and, uh, Paramount. And, uh, and, uh, 
I believe the Disney headquarters as well up by Times Square. Uh, what was, what was your, uh, uh, take on, on, uh, on the picket line? And, and we're going to, I know we're going to hear from, uh, some of the people that were there. Right, we are. And, um, you know, it was my second time on the SAG picket line, the first being actually in L.A. at Disney, just, um, I don't know, a week and a half in. And I would say the energy was pretty matched um, in both places with, uh, you know, a crowded picket, um, a strong resolve from actors. You could tell that they uh, had been on the line, uh, you know, had experienced being on the line for a while, but... Uh, that they were also strong in it. Um, they didn't seem maybe exasperated the way that you might feel on other pickets. And that's also what I heard echoed uh, from the speak- people that I spoke with. I think that there's this general sentiment that uh, negotiations might pick up in October. Some are hoping before then because of how much money executives are losing. Um, but uh, uh, that's, that's the, that's, that's the general sentiment. We're going to go now to uh, Tessa, a comedian that I spoke with, and then two um, people that I spoke with on the street that were clearly just sort of observing. One was uh, taking his son to college and another older woman um, was uh, walking around and, and ran into it. And, and we'll hear from her too. The energy feels like it hasn't dropped at all. It feels really great out here. It feels like we're all continuing on. I mean, I went before we went on strike. I went with the WGA too. And I feel like the energy has just been consistent. People are taking care of themselves. They're showing up. I feel like we're doing a really good job. I feel like in New York, we have different people showing up every day. We're such a diverse group at SAG. It's like we're all here for such different reasons. Like for me, I'm a stand-up comedian, so it's hard for me to show up at 9.30 a.m. You know what I mean? Like I'm still doing shows. I'm still like working at night. So I don't normally get to show up till like 10.30. But there's people that have been here those hours, and then they're leaving around when I'm coming. You know what I mean? And do you know are a lot of people working? other jobs hustling how are people making bills i know a lot of people going into teaching i know a lot of people who are multi-hyphenates like me focusing more on performing because that's the only realm we have left to make money which isn't a unionized field and is a field that has been attempted to be unionized multiple times with us stand-up comedians and also musicians so it really sucks like it's really i'm having to find other types of work i'm still trying to show up at pickets i mean i feel like this is one of the only places that we can show up and honestly it feels cathartic for me not just as a SAG member but just like as a working class person in our world like this picket happening right here is for more than just SAG and it's for more than just the WGA it's for stopping AI in all of our industries we're dropping off our son at Baruch College up the block uh, for orientation we walked by and we saw and heard the protests and we thought we'd come by and see what was happening and support it's amazing i've seen it on television but it's pretty amazing in person it's not common this is my first time to see it yeah and i stood to see what was happening and uh, i'm so happy they're doing it and i hope they will listen to them it's beautiful it's really i'm so um excited to see people striking on the street against their company yeah and nothing is happening nobody's bothering them Right. So first we heard from a comedian, Stella, that is uh, with SAG-AFTRA on strike now for over a month. And then we heard from two passers-by who were happy to see the strike. And of course, there are others, you know, you talk to and they don't want to talk to radio. Um, for example, city workers, city workers, often that's the case. They seem to be strong supporters of what's going on uh, in the labor movement, but often don't want to provide comments. Yeah, um, it was great to hear those supportive uh, comments uh, from yeah. the, the bystanders. And, and, yeah, truckers and the- going by honking, typical. Yes. But uh, it's nice to see it for the actors in the middle of Manhattan. You know, usually you see that out at some warehouse on the outskirts of the city. You know, it's definitely a, a historic strike. And I think, um, yeah, people uh, uh, sense that they're they're standing up for something important. And and, and also, you know, what uh, 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 Tessa was saying there, the, the uh, comedian, uh, about how, you know, this feels like it's a part of, it's about more than just these particular unions, which really tracks with the the cover article that we have uh, in this month's uh, Independent that you wrote, Amba. That uh, I mean, it was a a lot of that article was about the the Teamsters and 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 all the organizing that went into their labor actions, but it also uh, you know it, uh, we talk about the the 
the actors and the writers who are on strike. We all, we also, you know, in that cover article related uh, to other unions that are organizing or, or uh, contemplating going on strike. I mean, there's the UAW might go on strike in September. Uh, I mean, there's pizza workers getting organized, Starbucks baristas. So once again, there was that sense. It seems like on the picket line that, um, uh, of, uh, like a really strong motivation to act and a lot of support from the broader public. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I think it's last thing I'll say is if there had been the UPS strike, right? Everybody knew 6% of the GDP, it was going to only last two two weeks, but uh, you know, you're going up to the CEO of Disney, Bob Iger, literally, you know, saying, why are they striking others saying they're going to starve them out? So it's different when you're going into it, knowing that it's going to be a long strike. And the realities of that are pretty grim. You're not going to be making as much money. You're not going to be able to make the bills. People are selling their houses and yet they know that they, they really, don't have a ton to lose in in the near future. So I think a lot of people are, are standing up, even people who are kind of come, some, some actors are somewhat comfortable. Right. Not all of them, but. Right. Uh, but, and our next guest uh, who's going to uh, tell us more about all this uh, is uh, uh, Peter Carlini. He's our uh, uh, indie film critic. He's also a member of uh, SAG AFTRA uh, before, the, before the strike started. Uh, he was, uh, uh, very anxious about what was to come. And, but, uh, once it got underway, he really, uh, threw himself into it. And he is, uh, now a union strike captain that helps lead, uh, chants and singing and other such things, um, at the, uh, HBO picket line, uh, over on 33rd and, uh, 9th Avenue, three mornings a week. Uh, uh, Peter, uh, are you there? Yes, I am. All right. Welcome to, uh, independent news hour here on uh, WBAI and congratulations on your uh, new starring role as strike captain. Uh, can you uh, tell us a little bit more about what that entails and what it's uh, uh, felt like? Thank you. Oh, it's felt great. It's been reinvigorating getting the strike captain because it takes a lot of the dread or anxiety. I feel at the strike and it lets me channel it into rage and righteous anger. And in another sense, Basically, what we do is we keep the chance going on the lines. We keep spirits up. We keep morale up. We make sure everyone's safe. So we watch out for the picket line, make sure it's running smooth, make sure essentially it's flowing until for three hours, make sure everyone's staying hydrated, no one's doing anything stupid, keeping us safe from hecklers. And how uh, how did you get trained on that? How does this sort of internal organizing within the union work? Obviously, there's a good organizing going on because um, I've seen a lot of, um, like I said, sort of resolve and discipline on the line. So what's that like? Yeah. How to do it? Well, I volunteered through a form. They asked a bunch of us if we wanted to be strike captains. And then I basically had a trial by fire because when I showed up, the strike captain I was supposed to be shadowing was not there. So they gave me the megaphone. They threw me right in. And by the end of the day, it felt like I've been doing it for months. Of course. I think among actors, there are a lot of naturals. Yeah, spot. true. My improv skills are better than I thought. Right. And also, I wanted to ask you, Peter, so it, it, and we'll get into some more details, but in your upcoming um, piece for the indie that you actually wrote about being a SAG after a uh, strike captain, which soon will be on our website, you write in the, in the in the very opening. I remember falling asleep the night before the SAG strike was announced. It was akin to a thorny election eve or last sleep prior to a live performance in which my stomach turned and I dreaded what would come in the morning. I'd only been in the union for six and a half months and now my health care eligibility my income was to be in jeopardy. So uh, you've gone from that to here. So tell us a little bit about that. Um, Well, essentially, I mean, I think at the end of the day, yeah, those worries are still there. That dread is still there. But on the other hand, now I have something to, to direct it at. I can shout all these thoughts up at those headquarters. And yeah, I do. We do want to go back to work. That's our main thing. But the important motivation I feel is that 
I'm not only helping myself direct all that anger, we're also feeling united. We're helping the other SAG members feel united. And it makes us feel as if we will win this fight. And what uh, what do you consider the most uh, important things to be at stake in this fight? Better pay, fair pay, and the complete lack of AI. We we need to get AI out of Hollywood, and we need to get fair pay, and we need absolutely to let streamers be more transparent because that lack of transparency. That turn to venture capital has really destroyed a lot of residuals and better pay that we deserve that. You would have had 20 years ago, but not today. Right. Because uh, just uh, to follow up here, uh, the, the the streamers really don't divulge what the audience is. So it makes it no, uh, it's very such a hard good scam. for actors to collect much of uh, any income. Yeah, it's such a good scam. Right, and it seems like you had said it's it's not very transparent. The gist I've gotten is that it's it it, it really isn't. It's really unregulated, and um, yeah. that that that's kind of the case with a, a, a lot of labor in the U.S. Is like there's yes. these horrible conditions, horrible pay. Well, there could be regulations around those. So, what's the conversation among the union members about general sort of regulation or you know federal government? doing anything around that um, and also just their general opinion toward the government. And well, technically I can't answer that question. Fight. Yeah, technically I can't that answer that sense. question because I can't offer any views on the union. Oh, and sure. Well, then only... let's stick with just you. Oh, perfect. <laughs> yeah. What do I... yeah. Oh, I think governmentally wise, there needs to be some sort of intervention because this is not the only industry affected by that and you could see because it's summer of labor and additionally new york film industry brings in 500 million dollars yearly to the state and you have that at risk because you're going to screw over businesses you're going to screw over actors and there are 160,000 sag members in the country a lot of those are in new york and i think if the government doesn't step in or I, I, they have to know how much is at stake here. That's economies destroyed, economies that make their lives of film production, economies that rely on actors having good income. Right. And, and so in our final question here, Peter, you talked about how you, you found yourself sort of more invigorated by the whole strike process than you imagined. Um, how do you think this experience with experiencing really mass people power uh, will affect you now for the re- your other jobs or, or the rest of your life in whatever aspect? In a wonderful way. I don't think I'll ever settle. You know, last year, my other job that was in film, we tried to argue for higher pay. And we were met very vehemently by our employers. And yeah, we kind of got blacklisted after that. But at the same time, we fought. And I realized, especially in the workplace, the fight's the only thing you have. Because by default, you were usually not being taken care of. Right. Well, we work in a for-profit system and and the the equations that run that system only care about profit. But Peter Carolini, um, SAG, SAG strike leader, strike captain and indie contributing film critic. Thank you so much for joining us on our, uh, we will go back to you guys soon to check in and also people can get the picket info by going to www.sagaftrastrike.org that's s a g a f t r a s t r i k e.org thank you so much thank you we- so much solidarity forever absolutely solidarity forever and we're going to go to a quick music break and we'll be back but thanks for your time Then you can thank me for mine And after that said Forget it Don't 
Listening to Forget It by Rodriguez, a Detroit musician who passed away last week and his songs, which were full of protest and imagery from the urban streets, did not have much audience in the early 1970s in the U.S. when they were being released, but they were picked up greatly in South Africa, uh, which led to a late career resurgence in him. And this is all captured in a really great uh, documentary called Searching for Sugar Man. Uh, and he will be uh, missed. So you're listening to the Independent News Hour on WBAI 99.5 FM and streaming on WBAI.org. I am Ampik Gargarian, the associate editor of the Independent New York City's Lefty Newspaper. And I am here with my co-host, John Tarleton, our one and only editor-in-chief. And uh, we are speaking to you through the... FM radio, uh, which is still alive and well in New York and takes us along as we drive to work or as we do deliveries for the newspaper or as you're driving out of town or whatever it is. Uh, and the way that we are able to pay the bills to be on the FM radio is solely from contributors like you yourself. So this is the part of the show where we ask you to contribute uh, for what you're receiving. And if you are able to, you do so. Uh, you can do so by calling a phone number or going online, which I uh, will give you that information now if you need to take out a pen or your phone, because as I said, we do need some listeners to donate today. So the phone number is 212-209-2950. That's 212-209-2950. Or you can go online to give the number to WBAI.org. So that's give numeral two WBAI.org. Help us pay the rent this month. And if your uh, pockets are fat enough to support this show for not much, maybe 15 bucks a month, you can become a WBAI buddy in the name of the show on WBAI. So you just go to the same, whether you're calling or you're going to w, uh, give number two WBAI.org. Uh, you can specify that it's in the name of the independent news hour. If you like the work we do, the voices we're bringing you from the street, you know, from our, um, from our deep dive staff as well our staff uh, as well as people we're talking to in the street social movement leaders we have on this show uh week after week um just call 212-209-2950 or go to give number two wbai.org as amba was saying uh, one of the very best ways you can support this station is by becoming a w BAI buddy uh, for as little as $10 a month. But if you can do more, 15, 20, 25, $50 a month, if, if uh, you're, you know, you're doing well, um, it all helps keep this station on the air. Uh, WBAI has to pay the rent uh, for its antenna and its transmitter top four times square uh, in the uh, middle of Manhattan. It's not cheap. Uh, the bills uh, add up. And it's listeners like yourself who keep this station on the air. They have kept this station on the air for 63 years since 1960, but we can't let up. I mean, we, if we ever lost WBAI, we'd never get it back. That's why we need you to call 212-209-2950. And when you think of the importance of a, uh, independent, uh, media, uh, uh, AMBA, uh, there was a startling news, uh, in the past week from a little town uh, called Marion, Kansas, uh, that made national headlines where the police raided the newspaper offices of the local newspaper, took all the computers, cell phones, everything, all based on a complaint from a local business owner that 
uh, was uh, uh, unhappy with the newspaper. And uh, in the process of all those raids, which included a, a police raid of the home of the editor of the newspaper, uh, and his mother lived there. Uh, she uh, died the next day, apparently from shock and distress over uh, what had happened. Um, anyway, that's gotten a lot of headlines, but, um, you know, hopefully things work out in Marion, Kansas. Uh, that newspaper I know is, uh, looking to publish their weekly issue tomorrow, uh, obviously trying to clear a lot of hurdles. Uh, but, um, m- you know, meanwhile here in New York, I mean, our challenges are a little different. We don't have, uh, like Gestapo like, uh, police forces raiding our, uh, offices, but, uh, if WBAI runs out of money, it effectively ends up being the same thing. Well, precisely, right. The the loss of WBAI would would be uh, immensely great. Uh, Imagine if this uh, show weren't playing. And, you know, uh, as we are all suffering from inflation and and tighter prices, so is the station. So one more time, I'm going to give you that number. You can call 212-209-2950. That's 212-209-2950. Feeling inspired? Five dollars, ten, fifteen, twenty, twenty, twenty-five. Highest bidder. All right, someone's gonna donate twenty-five dollars. Thank you so much. That's two one two two zero nine two nine five zero, or go online to give the number to wbai dot org. And um, uh, I would just say, based on the giving we've had in other shows, I, I I think we could hope to do even far better than twenty-five dollars, fifty, a hundred, two hundred dollars. Uh, we appreciate the uh, support that people have shown this uh, show and the end of, uh, and WBI, but I mean, we always need more people to step up. It's still a very small percentage of people who are listening or, or giving. And we know some of you can't give. I understand that. But, uh, if you can, it makes all the difference. Uh, that number, as Amo was saying, is 212-209-2950. And you not only are supporting the independent news hour, uh, there's, you know, a great roster of programs on the station throughout the week. And, uh, also on Tuesday evenings after we wrap up at, uh, at six o'clock, uh, you have democracy now, uh, a half hour edition, six to six thirty. Uh, then, uh, interpersonal update with, uh, Harriet Fraud Wolf, six thirty to seven revolutions per minute, the show of, uh, the NYC, uh, Democratic Socialists of America from seven to eight out FM from eight to nine PM, cat radio cafe nine to 10 and the sweet spot from 10 to midnight. So mixture of public affairs and, uh, cultural and musical programming. Uh, where else are you going to find that, Amma, besides here at WBAI? Nowhere else. Uh, so thank you to our listeners for donating, uh, what you can. And I just wanted to add one note about the Marion, Kansas, um, newspaper, there's a, a detail that has come out recently, uh, which is that the raid, as you said, reportedly stemmed from a dispute between the newspaper and the local restaurant order, but it, owner, but it appears also that the newspaper had been actively investigating the Marion police chief, Gideon Cody, over sexual misconduct charges, and that the details uh, were on a laptop that was seized. Um, so, just something to add. Right. Uh, yeah, an incredible story, and uh, there's, you know, a couple other uh, stories I want to ca- uh, catch up with you here in the final part of the show. But also uh, for any listeners who want to uh, call in, uh, the call in uh, number here at WBAI is 212-209-2877, 212-209-2877. We always welcome hearing uh, from our listeners as well. Uh, and we'll be on the air here till about 555. And, uh, Amba, you know, one story, uh, you've been uh, covering closely that we have some updates on is the battle over the future of Cop City, uh, in Atlanta, Georgia, uh, this massive police training facility that's uh, become, uh, increasingly controversial. You went down there in March when there were protests and now there's a massive effort underway, uh, to get enough petition signatures to put this, uh, matter on a, on the ballot, uh, in Atlanta. Uh, later this year. Right. Uh, the, um, this sort of like massive grassroots movement in Atlanta of different people from all over the city, from different organizations that don't want this enormous, the would be the country's largest ever police training facility to be built on what is now the country's largest ever urban forest. Um, 
in Atlanta and they have been, uh, they've lost in many ways, whether it's, uh, in protest on the streets to police or if it is, uh, to the city council when they decided to, to do this. But now, uh, the people have collected 80,000, uh, signatures, which you need 70,000 to get, uh, something on the ballot for a referendum, uh, in, in New York City. And that is good news. We will, uh, keep up with that story. Uh, right. The- now the, the, the deadline uh, for them delivering their petition signatures is uh, next Monday, August 21st. I think they're uh, shooting for uh, 100,000 petition signatures. You know, some signatures inevitably are going to be disqualified, so they want to uh, get a surplus of uh, uh, signatures. Right. And then, well, uh, we do have a caller holding. So oh, was- great. Let's, let's, uh, yes. is, is it caller, if you can uh, uh, give us your name and where you're calling from? Caller, you're on the air. Please uh, speak to the producers of the Independent News Hour. Hello? Hi. Welcome to the Independent News Hour. What's your name and where are you calling from? Hi. Can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you great. Can Hi, you hear I'm me? So okay. Thank you. Um, uh, my Yes, I'm Ethel from the Bronx. And great i hear you great too and i just wanted to tell you all thank you so much for the information that you're giving and there are two things i wanted to find out how does one sign the petition for you know against cop city and also um the other information is in terms of funding is there a way to do um what do they call it again go fund me for wbai is that something that can be done? Uh, let's see. Let's uh, the, the first question. Uh, unfortunately, uh, as far as uh, the cop city uh, um, referendum goes, the the people who have to sign that petition are the are residents of Atlanta. There are a number of people who have, uh, from outside of Atlanta who've uh, gone there to help gather signatures and maybe supporting the project in other ways. Uh, but the people who are signing uh, do have to be. Uh, registered voters in Atlanta. Um, gotcha. As far as a, a GoFundMe uh, for a WBAI, uh, uh, that's a very good question. I, I, I don't think we have an answer for that, but what we can say is, uh, you know, that phone number 212-209-2950, that's kind of like the uh, the GoFundMe of the moment, at least. Right. Um, if you want to do internet, give number two WBAI.org. Um, and thank you for the concern. I think also telling your friends if they're listeners to donate. Like if, if you're a listener and you seem to be someone who really gets it, that this is like listener funded radio and maybe you're familiar with WBAI and you know actually how small the donations are, you know, maybe tell your friends. I don't know. That's something I should do more. Um, but thank you so much for joining us. We have a, another caller on the line. John, should we go straight to them or did you, did you want yeah, to? Absolutely. Okay, great. Uh, next caller. What's your name and where are you calling from? Daryl McPherson, Bronx, New York. All right. So, hi there. How's it going? Wish I was. Um, first of all, I want to thank you all for doing excellent reporting. Uh, as a member of the BAI uh, Community Advisory Board, we're pushing really hard that um, BAI puts your newspaper, The Independent, on the website. Two folks, we need. $100,000 yesterday. The, t- the, the terrestrial signal can be taken off the air at any time because of back rent that we owe to four times square. So the answer to your question is we're working on a go, GoFundMe. Uh, there's some bureaucratic challenge with regard to that. And then we need to think Pacifica as compared to just being focused on WBAI. The first, like I said, the first, um, the first priority needs to meet mm, the first priority needs that BAI become totally independent, which means we need to raise a minimum of $350 an hour as an average. And so I really want to thank you folks. We need the $100,000 so that the independent can, can reach out to us who listen on the stream and listen on the radio. And um, we need to promote the independence of the folks in the outer boroughs. Do you all distribute to the outer boroughs? Yes. Everyone on Staten Island. Yeah, we do. Um, 
We're in a, yeah. a, a number of libraries in uh, Brooklyn and in Queens. We also have boxes in uh, uh, various neighborhoods in Brooklyn and Queens. We have a smaller presence in the Bronx, but we are in uh, in some libraries in the Bronx as well. And uh, we have an Adopt-A-Box program where if, if uh, someone uh, wants to uh, so, sort of uh, just watch over our box, make sure it stays in good order, uh, we would, uh, you know, supply a box to uh, your neighborhood where you are. If, if you want to uh, talk with us after the show um, uh, or reach out to us at contact at independent.org, uh, we'd be happy uh, to um, bring a box your way as well. Well, John, since you gave me permission to call you, John, during the, one of the uh, loft meetings, um, up, I'm up in Co-op City. And okay. That's, that's another underrated story. Uh, the largest yes. cooperative in the world. And so in that context, we I'll see what I can do about getting someone who's responsible to reach out. And, and we need you to just continue to do the work, and BAI needs to spread your message. I would suggest that you put that information about Adopt-A-Box on your program page, perhaps we can, until we can get them to put it on the website itself. And thank you so much once again for being out there. I'm the person who is... Uh, asking people to use goodsearch.org if they're cash-strapped in order to raise money for WBAI. So it's goodsearch.org. WBAI is your cause of choice. Penny a search. Million searches, $10,000. Thank you so much for the time. Prosper. All right. Thank you, and thank you for all the hard work you're doing to try to uh, help the station uh, financially. So we're re- we're coming up to uh, to the end of our show. Uh, Amba, we're, uh, of course, we'll be back uh, same time uh, next week, uh, next Tuesday at 5 p.m. Uh, I want to thank our audio engineer, uh, Reggie Johnson. And uh, what's our uh, uh, last song uh, for, night, for tonight going to be? Oh, well, so we're listening to a song that I that is not political. Um, it's a breakup song or it's a cheating song, really. It's a song of betrayal and it's by Beyonce. It's called Resentment. It's from an early one of her albums, Birthday, B-Day. Um, so just enjoy, enjoy, uh, her incredible pipes. Full of resentment.